Back from the bye week, and now it's nine games to the finish line to determine if the Rams will get a tenth. That would be in the postseason like yeah. after the new year with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. Rested, recovered, recuperated, rejuvenated. Speak for yourself. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I'm kidding. Can't wait to get back to the Coliseum. Yeah. It feels like a month, a year, a decade since we've been there. It's been a while, hasn't it? Uh, Buffalo seems like it was last year. <laughs> It's been a while since we've been home, but it's it's good. I mean, it's good for the uh, the team, the coaching staff, everybody, the fan base to get back to playing football in Southern California. Let's hope you get back onto the W side of the you know win loss column after this game. Last time they took the field at the Coliseum, they were three and one. They were yep. riding a three game winning streak, uh, three in the wrong column since then. Demarco. Can the bye week serve as kind of a, a restart for the Los Angeles Rams? Well, I know it can it can serve as you know time enough for guys to heal up and get back out there and playing. And look, it, it can help guys like Case Keenum. It can help guys like Rob Boris. Um, your last performance in in London was uh, something you probably would do better or want to do better, and um, that's going to help your offense. Uh, a new approach, what's working, what's not working, let's throw out what we don't know, let's keep in what we do know, and, and let's add from here. So that bye week is going to be huge, man. Win or lose, going into a bye is always great for a team. You get to heal, you get to learn, you get to study a little bit more, and you get to get away from football just a little bit. You take a break from studying just your opponent, and you study yourself a little bit, don't you? You get introspective during a bye week. How much can the Los Angeles Rams benefit from what we term self-scouting? Plenty. I think you get, a t- you get a chance to coach as a position coach because everything goes so fast. Once you win or lose on Sunday, on Monday, you're on to the next opponent. So you don't really get enough time to work on technique. But now you get an entire day, maybe two or three, to spend on just your position so you can coach and get better and work on your craft as a player. Now, sometimes the best place to be in the NFL is on a bye week. Just let the dominoes fall, and that's what happened in the NFC West last week. You see... Uh, the Seahawks losing in New Orleans. You see the Carolina Panthers get right, look like the NFC champs once again. Uh, it helped the Rams out with a victory over Arizona. So uh, you look at the standings, and suddenly that three-game losing streak and being a game below five hundred does doesn't feel as dire. No, I, you know, and going to that Carolina-Arizona game, I'm really trying to figure out is Carolina, have they all of a sudden, did they wake up? Or what the hell has gone on with Arizona? Where are they? I mean, I, that's a team that a lot of people had penciled in for a Super Bowl appearance. Um, do they look like a Super Bowl contender to you right now? I don't think their quarterback is playing like a Super Bowl-worthy quarterback. Not even close. And the offensive line in front of him is not doing him any favors. But Carolina's front seven sure got right because of oh, no Carson doubt. Palmer and the Cardinals' offensive line. I love star Latulale. I, I love him as a player, but when I see that he's got three sacks, right. I mean, that's almost – his total for seasons, and you've got that in one game, I don't think he just all of a sudden learned a new pass rush move. I think the line you're playing must be a little porous, and when you watch film, I think that bears out that way. Yeah, a couple of key pieces came back to their secondary as well. I thought that showed up when I watched their win. Uh, Robert McClain, Leonard Johnson kind of solidified their back end. Remember, this is a group that's replacing Josh Norman. They let him walk, and for all the controversy that he's stirred up for his rivalry with OBJ and going to Washington, uh, he played the highest level corner for this team last year. He was a big reason why they wound up winning the NFC. Yeah, he was there. I guess uh, you call it the joker, the guy you put on anybody out there in uh, in pass coverage, and, you know, he erases that guy. But, I mean, they had a lot, and the pressure is starting to 
dial up. They're starting to dial up more pressure. I'm seeing Luke Keekley get to the quarterback now. So looks like a completely different defense versus Arizona. Let's see if that travels to L.A. Let's see if they bring that same sort of heat versus Case Keenum and Todd Gurley. Boy, Keekley's fierce, isn't he? Since he came in the league leading the NFL in tackles, he's at every carry, every catch, it seems. He looks like he's a jealous guy. Like, he hates <laughs> it when anybody else makes a tackle. I, I Really, he wants to get there first, but he knows everything. He's the captain of the defense, and oh, by the way, he might be your best defensive player. Lining up next to him at linebacker, you got the captain, Thomas Davis. Uh, he's been there a dozen years. He finally got his first touchdown on what should have been an incompletion. Um, and then Shaq Thompson is the other piece from your alma mater. Yes, uh, UW really likes Shaq. He was what would they call him a running linebacker, a running backer because he running played backer, on, yeah. on both sides of the football uh, when he was in Seattle. But it sounds like he'll be out this week. We'll talk more about that with our uh, Carolina Panthers insider later here on Rams All Access. It seems like yet another matchup where the Rams might be healthier on Sunday by the time we get there than their opponent. Let's knock wood. Right. Let's knock wood. But that's uh, what the bye week was all about. And yeah. that's, I think right now that's the Rams' greatest advantage. As of right now, I mean, the injury list is not long, but, I mean, it's it's very distinguished. I mean, some of those guys you'd like to have back. Uh, so, hopefully, you get those guys back. And get and at some point, you're going to get healthy, hopefully, uh, especially on defense. And mm-hmm. when you can get healthy there, then I, I think you'll start to see what this team is supposed to be about. But, I mean, when you're shorthanded, it keeps the other offense on the field a little bit longer than you'd like, and it puts more pressure on the other side of the ball. Um, so, look, when you're healthy, I, I think you're, you you have a chance to actually play Ram ball. Uh, without that, I, I think you're going to have to scramble more times than you'd like. No practice today for the Rams. Thursday, they're off day. I was at practice in Thousand Oaks yesterday. True Johnson was out there. He was moving around. Jamon Brown practiced as well. Uh, Michael Brocker seems to be a step behind those players in terms of his recovery. I'm not sure what his final status is going to end up being for Sunday, but uh, how impressed would you be if Tremaine misses – what, the two-game road trip plus the bye and not much more? I, I would be, like, over the moon if he's out there on the field. Like I said, I think he is the edge to the defense. He brings the tood with him. So, and But just the – we thought it was a high ankle sprain, I thought. So if you're back that fast on an ankle like that, I mean, that is miraculous. That's something you don't see every day. That's, uh, that is mutant-level healing if right. you can get back out there. But, look, uh, the threat this week and every – receiver is a threat in the National Football League. You're the best in the world if you're playing at this level. But, you know, this week the threat is actually the tight end. You know what I mean? With Greg Olson. But having Tremaine out there could do the same as Josh Norman did for them last year. It just erases this guy. You're playing against 10 with True on the field. So if he can get out there, great. If not, I'd, like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if he couldn't go. I thought you were going to say the threat is the tight end who just happens to play quarterback because Cam Newton <laughs> is a tight end playing I mean, quarterback. He's receiving every, threat. <laughs> he's every bit as big as Olsen and more athletic. And we'll talk about him next in depth because he has been the lightning rod of the NFL uh, throughout his career at various points, but especially again this week. Does he or does he not have a legitimate gripe about his lack of protection in the pocket? We'll talk about his conversation with Roger Goodell, and I know DeMarco Farr has thoughts about what this means for the matchup with the Rams on Sunday now that the eyes of the NFL, and especially the Zebras wearing stripes, will be looking for on Sunday. It's week nine of the National Football League. The Rams are back on the field this Sunday here on ESPN LA 710, and this is Rams All Access. This segment of the Rams All Access show is sponsored by Barbecues Galore, your local source for the best tailgating gear at the absolute lowest prices guaranteed. Visit barbecuegalore.com to find the store nearest you. 
Back on Rams All Access with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. You may have heard, I'm sure by now, that Cam Newton had a, uh, a little tete-a-tete with the commissioner this week. <laughs> a what? Head-to-head. Oh. Ear-to-ear. What was the language you spoke? Tete-a-tete. I think it's French. Is that French? I oh, think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyways, he feels like uh, he's not getting the same protection in the pocket uh, as maybe some of the uh, more well-known MVPs in this league like Tom Brady. Um DeMarco, I'm going to let you start on this, but first let's hear what Cam said because I, I think he's right and he's taking the, the correct approach in terms of delineating between, hey, I know when I'm running, I'm fair game, but when I'm in the pocket, where's my help? Illegal hits for me, you know, it starts in the pocket. You know, it's funny how a lot of people has a lot to say. You know, I know this talent that I do play. When I'm running the football, I'm on my own. I, I understand that. You know, I'm not I'm not a dummy or oblivious to the fact that I run the football more than probably any quarterback, you know, that's played this game does. And I'm fine with that. But, you know, in the pocket, that's that's all I'm asking for. Just to just to get certain things, you know, kinda the standard of, of every person getting the same calls. That's all. All you D. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, I, I know he says like he runs the ball, runs he rushes the football more than any other quarterback in the National Football League on called run plays, and that's true. But he's also a scrambler. So as a defender who's bearing down on Cam Newton, uh, when do I decide if he's a runner or a passer? Because he can pull it down in a moment's notice and be by me. So I have to wait until Cam decides what he is before I decide how to hit him? No, you, you, don't, you can't have it both ways. I mean, you're big, you're strong, you're fast, you run over people. So, look, it was an overreaction by Cam, and I don't know why that's so shocking when you think about how he exited the Super Bowl, that that post-game press conference. He walked out of another one this year. It's another overreaction. He got hit in the knees. He didn't like it. He was upset about it, and he put it out there, saying, I'm going to go talk to the commissioner. Now, do I think that's going to affect how the game is called? No, I do not. Everybody does this. Everybody pops off post-game, and they're emotional. If you reacted to everything the players say, you wouldn't have a league. So, look, if there's a personal foul, a roughing the passer call that's warranted, you'll see flags. Is Cam going to get tackled? Absolutely. Are they going to be looking for for hits to the head? Well, they always are. Are they going to be looking for hits to the knees? They always are. It's not going to be any different than it was a week ago before he spoke this, in my opinion. But just this week, Calais Campbell got an $18,000 fine for a call they missed, and it wasn't a high hit. It wasn't a scrambling hit. It, it was, was a shot to the knees. It, it was the Carson Palmer-Tom Brady rule. But that's that's not unprecedented. I mean, there are a lot of guys that get fined without getting flagged. I mean, fines and flags are two different things. So, hey, look, I, like I said, he's not the only quarterback that gets hit and the call gets missed. Most of them don't say anything about it. I don't know why Cam Newton would feel like he needs to speak up right now. Okay, uh, let me get to a second part of that, which, yeah. which is how does it impact his locker room, his team, his perception among pro players. But let me just cast some statistical light on this. In his first four seasons, the Panthers accepted more roughing the passer flags than any other NFL team. That spigot has been turned off for some reason because since the first start of last season, the Panthers have not accepted a single roughing the passer flag on Cam Newton. That just doesn't add up. You mean they declined them? Well, or I mean, there haven't been any calls. There could have been 20 and they declined them all, but that's just not the truth of the matter is not enough have been thrown. Exhibit the Calais Campbell. Um, exhibit the week one loss to Denver. 
I mean, just watching that game, there were three plays. I don't see that Denver game. I don't know how you officiate that because Cam was given it about as good as he was taking it. Okay, well, I, I'm not here to de- yeah. to advocate for Cam. You and I are, are discussing more spinning it forward to Sunday. Right? How do you feel about being the team that faces him next after he had this private sidebar with the commissioner? Jeff Fisher was asked about being that team going into Sunday. I'm not concerned about it because there's there's no rule changes, and our players understand the rules, as do their players understand the rules. So I'm not concerned about it at all. I mean, I'm more concerned about extending plays with his <laughs> legs and and making plays with his arm. And you know, the, he was an MVP for for a lot of reasons last year. So I'm more with Coach there. And look, I mean, the Rams' reputation outside of Los Angeles is that they think this is what they teach anyway. So being the next team after Cam Newton popped off the way he popped off, okay, but it still is the Rams. It still is Jeff Fisher, and Greg Williams is still your coordinator. That reputation follows you anyway. I was going to say the Rams have a penalty problem. Yeah. Whether, <laughs> yeah. whether or not it's warranted, whether or not breaking on the film, every single one of them should have been penalized. You've got a team that has a penalty problem facing a team that is calling for more attention from the referees that that feels like a recipe for a 15 yarder at a pivotal moment on Sunday well don't you think that's dangerous though because he popped off and if it's close you start dropping flags for Cam Newton well what about the defenders oh because he says it now it becomes a personal foul well you just changed the game that's why I don't think it's really going to affect Sunday. But they've been changing this game for decades now, shifting it towards the quarterbacks anyway. That's what I mean. Protection has always been there. This is not new. This is right, just a but, guy popping off. But Cam, as the biggest, and I will point out a quarterback of a different skin color than many of the quarterbacks in the National Football League, apparently over the last couple of years is not getting the same number of calls as other quarterbacks who have his stature, who have his stats, and right. who are playing as many snaps. So I'm not talking about the rules haven't changed. I'm saying within the subset of quarterbacks, something's different about Cam. Well, yeah. Well, it's it's him, mostly. I mean, look, I'll show you a play where they're running a read option and they bring another guy. So there's three guys at the mesh point. Now, and Atlanta is coming after him. There's three guys within a foot of Cam Newton, and you don't know who's got the football, right? Cam pulls it out and starts running. Well, he's behind the line of scrimmage when he's running, which means he can stop, pull up, and throw. So what am I supposed to think? Is he a runner or is he a passer? Now, how do you officiate that if Cam is behind the line of scrimmage running the football? What what is he at that point? I don't know. So, look, if you want to blame anybody if you're Cam Newton, well, blame the way you play the game. It's hard to officiate you. It's harder to defend you with these rules. What do you want me to do when you're when you're the size of my defensive end and you're running the football? How am I supposed to hit you? I'm supposed to wait? It's hard. To your point about style, he has been contacted by the defense, hit 300 more times in his career than any other quarterback in the league since he joined professional ranks. I mean, that's astonishing. Yeah. But it seems like he's starting to curtail that a little bit. He's running less this year than he has at any point in his career. And his comments after the win last Sunday that he's having less fun, that the way they're officiating is taking the fun out of the game, that he doesn't even feel safe, that makes me wonder where he is mentally coming into this week, where he is about that style. Is he still on board with playing the style that made him the MVP and took his team to the Super Bowl last year? That's a great question. What I thought was, I wonder what his teammates are thinking. What's his head coach thinking when he says that? What would you be thinking if you were in his locker room? I would be a little upset. I'd be a little little offended if I was 
your blockers. If I was your O line, you don't feel safe. Really? Well, all these sacks aren't on me. Half the time you're running into them. So there's a lot that's going on. That's the thing. It was an overreaction by Cam, and then there was a lot of overreaction to his overreaction. Okay. You know, but once we get to Sunday, it's your zero zero again. Taking this to Sunday, if you're the Rams, this is always the case, but it seems like the best thing you could do is get an early shot or two on Cam Newton. Right. Given this whole context. And that seems entirely possible considering left tackle Michael Orr is definitely going to be out again. Still hasn't gotten through the concussion protocol. And Ryan Khalil may be a no-go as well, the former USC Trojan great. Uh, that sounds like a, a recipe for success for Robert Quinn and Aaron Donald. Well, yeah, especially with Khalil out because there's no help for the interior blockers with Aaron Donald, which means his inside move is going to be working all day long. Uh, Khalil is one of the better centers out there, and he's good at help blocking. He's good at keeping three techniques off his quarterback at, or at least wheeling them away so he can have a lane to run through. So without that guy in the middle – Aaron Donald's going to have a field day. Now, without Michael Orr or with Michael Orr, I still pick Robert Quinn. Now, if you've got your right tackle playing left tackle, I'm definitely taking Quinn this week. So, look, um, I would expect the ball's coming out fast or there's going to be a lot more Cam Newton called runs just to keep them on their heels. We will hear from Aaron Donald next. I also thought we might uh, look back just a little bit to the first set of games, the seven games that have passed, and maybe assess some first-half grade, just you know, big-picture offense, defense, special teams. To re-tee the second half of the season, the Rams are 3-4, and four, still very much in the hunt in the NFC West, and we'll get Jeff Fisher's thoughts about whether the Rams are still NFC West contenders as Rams All Access continues previewing Week 9, Panthers, and L.A. at the Coliseum Sunday. Time for Four Down Territory on Rams All Access to Marco Farr, J.B. Long, and our guest Sharon Thorsland, who covers the Panthers for the Carolina Radio Network. We'll talk to her group this week at the Coliseum. Uh, Four Down Territory, it's our weekly trip inside opponent's territory to get a feel for the matchup ahead. Uh, Sharon, welcome to the program. And if you could give us some thoughts locally on uh, what we've heard a lot about this week, which is Cam Newton and referee protection. Obviously, that's been a a big topic here in Charlotte and nationally. Here in Charlotte, obviously, people up in arms about what they perceive as the late hits or the illegal hits that Cam Newton has been getting quite a few of, depending on who you talk to. So, uh, you know, most people support him with the way he's been talking about it, but he, he feels, I think rightly so, that he has been targeted a few times and not been the recipient of the of the calls, starting with the one this past Sunday against Arizona. So, as you might expect, people around here would like the refs to give him a few more of the calls that they think he's not getting. Uh, despite not getting them, they did defeat the Arizona Cardinals again last weekend. Was Week 8 and the win over Arizona a turning point for the defending NFC champs? Absolutely. That was something that they desperately needed, and more from a mental standpoint than anything else. They had been going through that losing streak and just couldn't quite get everything to come together, particularly on the defensive side between the, the front line and the, the secondary, which is very young and has been injured. And they played so well up front against Arizona, and the secondary held up its end of the bargain, and the offense was able to finally get something going. So from a confidence standpoint and a momentum standpoint, that was a crucial game for them. Showed them what they're capable of. They know they can play that way. They did it all last season. They just needed to actually put it all together, and I, I think that was huge for them on Sunday. And Sharon, at 2-5, and five, only two games back in the loss column from Atlanta. Do the Panthers still feel like they can win this division? Absolutely. They feel like if they take it one game at a time, and that's, that's I know it's terribly cliche, but that's how they've talked for years around here, 
just one game at a time. They feel like they're not out of it. If they go out and produce every week and play the way they're capable of, they feel like they've still got a chance to either win this division or get into the playoffs as a wild card. Last thing, looking at Thursday's injury report, a couple of key pieces are apparently in doubt for this week. Ryan Khalil at center, Shaq Thompson at linebacker. Do you think either of them could be ruled out for Sunday's game? Yeah, Shaq Thompson, uh, Ron Rivera pretty much all but ruled him out today already. I, I would say that he is definitely going to be out of this game. Ryan Khalil will make the trip. He's going to be a game-time decision, though, and if he plays, it'll be without practicing. He's doing all he can to get back because this is a homecoming for him. I've playing at Southern Cal, but um, he, he's very questionable right now, and if he does play, it'll be a game-time decision. Sharon, part of the Panthers Radio Network, thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to uh, Sunday's contest at the Coliseum. Thanks for having me. And we invite you to see more and sit closer with Vivid Seats, an official partner of the Los Angeles Rams. Visit vividseats.com slash Rams today to preserve your official ticket, travel, and VIP tailgate package to the next game. Quick look at the Rams participation report. No practice on Thursday, so this is essentially the same as it was when uh, practice concluded on Wednesday. Uh, Michael Brockers continues to be limited as he works through a groin injury. Jamon Brown was limited, but he was back on the practice field. He had the... Uh, the spiral fracture in his hand suffered in London, had that surgically repaired, and appears to be back on track along the Rams' offensive line. And Tremaine Johnson, coming back from an ankle injury, uh, looks a lot closer after the bye week. He could be in position to play to make his return against Carolina. Uh, William Hayes sat out, and uh, Nelson Spruce uh, still not back on the field with a calf injury. So as we welcome DeMarco Farr back to uh, Rams All-Access... Uh, look, I think the best thing the Rams have going for them at this point in the season is they're healthier than seemingly every opponent. Yes. Uh, you know, as, if Tremaine Johnson gets back out there, like I said, that's, that's Wolverine-like healing powers. Um, that would be something. But, yeah, I mean, keeping your guys healthy, when you look at everyone else's injury report, I mean, you've been very fortunate in that regard. But it's just the guys you've had out have been your – you have had out have been your key guys and you think of Quinn and Tremaine Johnson so getting those guys back is very very important one thing real quick let me put a bow on the Cam Newton deal I don't think he's going to get more calls than he deserves that's it if it's a shot that needs to be flagged he's going you're going to get the flag but if not it's not going to be anything out of the ordinary that's what I'm trying to say but I know I know you always watch the quarterback in the pass rush but will your eyes linger on kind of the, the traffic and the mud in the pocket post throw this week a little bit longer than you, know, you might normally as an I, observer i might bite into that um and and go right through the action the scrum if there's a hit on the quarterback to the official behind him because i'm gonna be watching the ball so you gotta watch the play yeah i'm him, gonna okay? watch that official and i do see them i mean they do get in position to throw and they'll pull that flag halfway out either they drop it or they say ah, i wasn't on the head and put it back in so i will be watching those guys to see how they respond to an iffy shot don't know if Michael Brockers is going to play, but one of the uh, Rams who's definitely going to be muddy in that pocket and pursuing Cam Newton, Aaron Donald, who leads the NFL with 19 QB hurries. Here how This is how he re-teased the second half of the L.A. schedule. You know, we was on a high horse. We got knocked off, and, you know, it's a part of the game. And, and I think the bad week was perfect timing for us, you know, to um, clear our minds, get our bodies back right, and um, come back even better. We know what we, what we got to do and know, you know things like that. We just got to keep playing and play harder, you know, and, and finish games, and we'll be just fine. So we st- we in good shape. You know, he's in the don't make a mad mode or category. Yeah. I mean, he's he's such a tremendous player anyway, and the opponents tell their guys don't get him mad. Because he's, he's already a handful, period, and you don't want to see that guy, you know, upset. So he, he's 
Look, the funny thing about Aaron Donald is he's actually getting better. He's great now. He's the best thing going in the league that puts his hand down and goes after quarterbacks, but he's actually getting better. That's scary. I think the only team I've ever seen successfully get him mad, get in his head, and not have to pay the price, week one San Francisco. Yeah. Because he got ejected. Right, right, right. Oh. But he was boiling over. Yeah. If he stayed in that game, someone was going to have See, to pay the price. See, my personal thought, I think that was half San Francisco, half at his own guys. All right, so that was just kind of laying down the, Frustration. the law early yeah. on in the season. Okay. Yeah. That's a good thought. The way they were playing, how that game went, there was a lot of frustration, and I think he just went off. And I think everyone, both teams, got the message. Uh, let's stay on defense, and we'll kind of go through the position groups, if you don't mind. Not the position groups, but the sides of the football, the three phases. I know I didn't give you a chance to prepare for this, but I thought we might just kind of do midterm grades. Oh, yeah, sure. Offense, defense, special teams. Give me a letter grade, and then maybe one uh, adjustment, one uh, letter to the, the student or the parent saying, hey, here's what needs to improve to get the grade you want. <laughs> you don't want me in, writing in, that letter. Second half. Uh, well, I bring this up because yeah, I yeah. want to give a shout-out to your daughter who's who's getting straight A's. Straight Doing A's. A great job in school. God bless so, her, see? That's what got me thinking along this don't track. Don't get a big head. Okay. Um, special teams, no doubt A. Uh, look, Johnny Hecker, best punter in the league. Your punt cover has been excellent. Your kick cover has been uh, really, really good. So, uh, Bones Fossil does a great job with that unit. So special teams is and, leading. And Zerline's one of three kickers who has not missed PAT or field. And goal. I think you've handled him perfectly. I, you've got the leg for 60-plus, but why? Uh, it's like a home run derby. I mean, when you do that, I think you might throw guys off. So keeping him 54 and under, I think he'll be perfect or great for the rest of the year. So special teams A, defense B. I mean, there are some great times, and there are some times where you're scratching your head, like in Detroit. How is this guy running the football on you? And San Francisco, Blaine Gabbert. Yes. How is this happening right now? And then all of a sudden when you sew it up, you come back like gangbusters, but you couldn't recover from the time you let it go. So I'll give the defense a solid B+. Um, The offense, C, and I'm being generous. Uh, you can't find the ground game. Um, you, you're throwing too many pick sixes. The defense is scoring. Um, you're having protection issues. Penalties are still a problem. So, to be generous, I'll give the offense a C. What would you grade? Am I close to what you're thinking? I think I can get on board with, with both of your grades, the, the first two. Maybe I'll, I'll just ding uh, special teams an A- minus just to have something to nitpick because they haven't scored uh, on special teams yet, like in the return game. Yeah. Um, but Tavon's return at Arizona led to that victory. So, I mean, th- there have been plenty of positives in the return game. Defense, I'm with you. Um, I did want to ask uh, – I'll give you my offensive grade in a second, but your comment about um, – which led me to Blaine Gabbard in week one – you know, three of the losses that the Rams have taken, or two of the losses, I should say, Tyrod Taylor, mobile quarterback, um, Blaine Gabbert, mobile quarterback, and Cam Newton is certainly better than than either one of those in terms of making things happen with his feet. Is that a concern, the ground game for Carolina that's led by their quarterback and a, and a revamped Jonathan Stewart? Yes, but not in, in the conventional sense because if you go back to the Blaine Gabbert rushing attempts, uh, that was freelancing up front. Okay. You had two, three techniques. He exploited it. Uh, same thing with Tyrod Taylor. You had two, three techniques. Somebody's got to stay in that A-gap to keep the quarterback from scrambling. When you have a freelancer, especially in the middle, quarterbacks are going to scramble. But conventionally, no, no problem. Because Cam's more by design. It's right. QB draw. It's 11 on 11. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I would be more harsh than you probably when I assess the offense. I mean, with a few caveats, 
Um, Kenny Britt is, is playing really great, healthy football. Um, yeah, I know he's battling through some bumps and bruises, but he's on track for a, a, a near career season. I think Lance Kendricks has been a bright spot. Um, but uh, statistically, it's, it's tough to support anything higher than a D. Yeah. Um, and, and the offense hasn't won a game. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe Arizona. I'll give them Arizona, but they were teed up by that aforementioned uh, Tavon return, and it still took interceptions late to get it done. But each of the wins has been clinched by the defense. The offense hasn't gone out there and got you one when the defense may not be having its best day, like Buffalo, for instance, or Detroit, uh, for a second example. So uh, I might not be as grading on as generous a curve offensively, but right. I think yeah, that's. There's some other guys that pulled up grades for other people. How about that? <laughs> uh, and the one group that we didn't talk about with respect to the offense is the offensive line. And we'll just kind of play one more Jeff Fisher bite about the performance of the offensive line. Because going into the bye week, it was one of the things we asked about, hey, is this something you look at reshuffling? Well, I mean, I, I think you know, anytime you're, we're allowing pressure on the quarterback, although we've played some good defenses and not run the football, and all, all attention goes there, but uh, we're just going to get better up front. I mean, you look around the league, you know, teams are really hurting up front on the on the offensive line from the health standpoint, and, and we're in good shape, so we're just going to get better. And we will look around the league in our next segment, specifically around the NFC West, but expect to see Greg Robinson, Roger Saffold, Tim Barnes, Rob Havenstein, and then some combination of Cody Wickman or Jamon Brown out there again on Sunday comprising the Rams' offensive line. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, part of your Rams broadcast team. This is Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710. Getting set for the 21st meeting between the Carolina Panthers and the now Los Angeles Rams, first time since 2013. DeMarco, uh, you probably remember that game as being particularly chippy. It got a little dicey there between the Rams and the Panthers. The officials totally lost control of that game. That's what I do remember. Um, and I remember it was uh, Hardy was still there. Um, the pass rush was tremendous. Uh, Cam Newton was still Cam Newton. But, yeah, that, that game did get chippy. So um, I think that bad blood kind of is, has, has gone away. So this will be something new. Um, but both teams, look, they're both starving for a win. So if it gets chippy again, I would not be surprised. First time Carolina has ever ventured west to play in the Coliseum. They feel like they've still got a shot in the NFC South after improving to 2-5 and five with a win over the Cardinals and getting their groove back. Jeff Fisher was asked, can his Rams still contend in the West? Yeah, we do. I mean, we're not, you know, obviously that's our goal as it is with the rest of the teams in the division, but if this be, this thing becomes just one at a time now, it really does. I mean, November is an important month to make a move if you're going to have a chance to play in January, but you can't look ahead. You can't look ahead to December. You just got to focus on each opponent. You know? And we got, we got a challenge. It's, it's a good football team. That's it's hard to look at the tape and see that they're, you know, they only won two games. So let's go around the NFC West as we do every week here on Rams All Access. DeMarco Farr and JB along with you on this Thursday night on ESPN LA. Uh, Seattle fell at New Orleans, and as we mentioned, Carolina did the Rams another favor by beating Arizona. So the Seahawks now atop the division four two and one. Arizona still trying to figure out, I think, what their identity is three four and one. They have the bye. Uh, San Francisco 1-6, and six, they host the Saints. Um, but Seattle welcoming Buffalo on Monday night. The Seahawks have won 10 straight Monday night football games, longest active streak in the league. I wonder if Buffalo can break that. What do you think? It's going to be hard. Because yeah. it's amazing that Seattle is 4-2, and two, you said? 
Four two and one because of the field goal tie fest. Uh, and one yeah. with with also uh, with an offense that's really struggling too. When's the last time Russell Wilson's thrown a touchdown pass? It's been two weeks. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a long time. His longest one, yeah. rush is nine yards. Yeah. yeah, I mean their offense is struggling, but uh, they they're a great football team, great coach, great defense. They find ways to win. Um, I think the Rams are similar, except they can't find ways to win games. Like like in London, like in Detroit, you had chances to win and you couldn't. It seems like Seattle's pulling those things out. The Ryan brothers and the Bills have a chance to sweep the NFC West. They've already trounced Arizona, <laughs> came and got one at the Coliseum. I'll say this. If from upstate New York, you can make a trip to L.A. and win in the heat and make a trip on Monday Night Football to the farthest corner of the Pacific Northwest and get another win out of Seattle... That's one of the more underrated, impressive feats, I think, in this year's NFL, that is, if that were to play out. I still think Buffalo is its a loaded team. I, I'm still surprised that they were struggling. I thought this would be their year. But look, uh, Buffalo going up to Seattle and winning on Monday night, we'll see what happens. But without an offense, you see how hard it is to, to stay in football games or – uh, if it gets away from you and you don't have the offense to come back, then chances are you're going to be below 500 at the midway point. So let's focus now on the Rams' chances. And starting this weekend, their next four opponents, Carolina, the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Saints, all currently have losing records, 11-18 and 18 combined. I think if there's such a thing as the soft underbelly of the Rams' schedule, <laughs> this is it, and they yeah. better capitalize. Because if you were to fall at home Sunday... Then you kind of look at your next four games, and three or four are on the road. True. And and Carolina at home is gone, and at New England is in. Yeah. You know what I mean? like it, it, That's a hard it, one. It, it pivots really yeah. severely, and by the way, you're on a four-game losing streak. What is it, seafood or B-food? <laughs> um, so I, I bet that those teams you just mentioned are looking at the Rams in the same way. They're below 500. You actually have a chance to get a victory there. So as long as you take care of business versus Carolina and just make that your sole focus and – as the season gets old, as as it gets along, when you get to November, it's it's harder and harder to keep your focus of just one game at a time because everyone else is doing future casting. So uh, you really have to rein it in as a player and rein it in as a coaching staff and just keep everything to one opponent because if you try to play them all in one week, you'll lose them all. So it's just about the Panthers right now. Was Was that a hint? To me, to stop no. playoff forecasting, because no, no, I wanted no. I wanted to throw one more at you. Go ahead, okay. go ahead. <laughs> Just the, in terms of the playoff picture right now, right now, as the Rams look to make their uh, their first playoff in a dozen years, aside from six and one Dallas playing great, uh, five and two Minnesota, they've stubbed their toe all of a sudden. No NFC team is what you would say like running away and hiding with a playoff spot. The current wild card teams are sitting at four and three, which is where the Rams would have been if they could have just protected a ten nothing first quarter lead against a Giants team that was pretty one-dimensional in London. Yes, there's still a lot to play for, and there's a lot out there for this team. So it's not over. Um, There's a lot of frustration, and there should be right now, and it's centered around the offense. But uh, being below 500, no one wants to be there. But you're not in a bad position as of right now. There's still a lot to do. So the one thing you definitely have to do is take care of business this Sunday. Or, look, I mean, two games below 500 with the teams that are getting better – even with the soft underbelly, if you can't get that. I assume that New Orleans is going to get better. If you all of a sudden beat Seattle, you just can't look past that. I think Drew Brees and the Saints are alive. So uh, midseason, November, like Jeff Fisher just mentioned, 
Uh, teams make a switch. Either you're going to start to head north or you're going to head all the way south and you're done. And New Orleans in particular to me, uh, look, get in the Seahawks and then San Francisco this week, like I said. Yeah. I mean, if New Orleans is playing meaningful football in late November when the Rams arrive for Thanksgiving weekend – uh, that's going to look a lot different than maybe it does at this moment in time or definitely a week ago. Absolutely. And they still have Drew Brees, man. Uh, and, that, and that's the thing. You're never out of it, right. <laughs> you look at this gauntlet of quarterbacks LA oh. is about to run. Cam Newton at home. Um, and then, okay, uh, Fitzpatrick, sorry, this is probably not the best time to bring this up. <laughs> but 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 beyond that... <laughs> He's a $12 million guy. <laughs> look, I, I mean, I, I hate to have him two on the schedule, but beyond that, right? then you go Breeze, and then you go Brady, and, and you still have Matt Ryan coming you up. you got a lot hey, of problems. There, there are a lot of really good right. quarterbacks left on this schedule, which, to our previous point about health and what it means for Trumaine Johnson to be doing what he's doing to work his way back onto the field as soon as possible, and I, I think to really get Troy Hill's feet wet and for EJ Gaines to be confident that his injury problems are behind him, uh, all these things are, are really starting to coalesce i think for the yeah. rams defense and secondary and uh, we're, we're assuming that the offense you know hasn't hasn't caught that spark i'm still expecting todd Gurley to get off at some point and the running game to really get on track so we're assuming the offense is going to stay the same way versus the same opponents but i'm expecting at some point like you said the offense will close out games or at least be the focal point of the game. It's going to be tough to get that running game some traction against Carolina, the best running defense in the National Football League. We'll talk about that in our keys to the game before we're done here on Rams All Access on ESPNLA 710. Well, welcome back to Rams All Access. And this week on Inside the Numbers, we focus on the running game, both for and against, for the Carolina Panthers. They call it ground and pound in Carolina because since the start of 2013, Carolina has rushed for 100-plus in 87% of their games, including 33 of their past 34 outings. Carolina had a streak of 30 consecutive regular season games rushing for at least 100 yards. It was snapped week four of this season against Atlanta. It had been the NFL's longest streak since the 70s with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they run it really well. It helps to have Jonathan Stewart come in off four touchdowns in his last two games. It helps to have Cam Newton with more rushing touchdowns than any quarterback in NFL history. But DeMarco Farr and I are going to be concerned more about in this final segment the way that they defend against the run because they're allowing just 3.3 yards per attempt on the ground. That's the number two running defense in the NFL. DeMarco, I know our audience is nauseated and sick of hearing us have this conversation, but I'll ask it rhetorically once again. How do the Rams get Todd Gurley looking like 2015 Todd Gurley Rookie of the Year? I, I have no idea. I, I don't. Um, because, okay, well, nice. That was a good no, show. Talk to you guys on Sunday. He's carried the ball 130-plus times. I mean, he's up there with the league leaders in, in attempts. His yards per carry is less than four yards, I think. How many? It's, totally... it's 3.0. It's the lowest yards per carry among qualifying backs. I mean, that's – look, uh, the Rams have to run the football. I think that's the best way to answer it. So someone, um, whether it be Tavon Austin, Todd Gurley, Benny Cunningham – Somebody's going to have to find a way to keep a defense off balance by running the football. So, um, look, uh, the easy thing is to blame the O-line. I think it's more than that. But even with that, you're going to have to have success moving the football on the ground because throwing it 52 times with with your passing offense, I mean, I, I think that's going to create more problems 
than, than, than benefit you d- going down the field. So running the football is imperative. If not, you're going to have to win it on defense. And I think Jeff Fisher, I think this football team is more than happy to go at it in that, in that light. But to make it easier on yourselves, running the football, controlling the clock, and then throwing off play action, look, it, it definitely moves, it works as long as you don't turn it over. But you have to have success on the ground. you got to find a way to get Star Latulale and K1 short out of the way. And if you do, then you have to deal with Keekly in that next level. Pretty, pretty good front against the run for Carolina. But that's a challenge. That's why the bye week is there. And expect the unexpected in the National Football League. Maybe this is the week for the running game and the Rams. Want to hear my prediction for Sunday? I'd love to. 27 27 tie. Three weeks in a row in the no NFL, way. a tie. You didn't go tie, did we'll you? We'll do overtime, and we'll walk away. <laughs> I can't let you go with, with a tie. With three <laughs> NFC West teams having a one. Better question. In how the w- third column. How would you fix ties? <laughs> I, I, I figured College rules? If I put that prediction out there, that just protects us against <laughs> right? any, any tie follies on Sunday. I heard Russell Wilson said it should come down to field goals. What do you think? I don't like that. You don't like I mean, that? I would eliminate kicking altogether before <laughs> before I would have a game decided by field goals. Which right. Is, wait, I mean, uh, coming up next, it's what the heck with Danny Kleppinger he and, and Johnny Hecker, so I don't want to be anti-kicker. I mean, punters are people, too, um, but that's not how I would solve that. And I don't think the college game is a solution either. I think right. it works for college, but I don't think you line up pros at the 25 yards. So ties are okay? With 40, what, 53-man rounds? You know what, I— I would, I would play it out. I really yeah. would. I mean, because the number of teams who are going to be impacted, and yeah. and then beyond that, the number of teams who would be impacted more than once per season is is so statistically limited. Right. Look, I I know that we we're not we're, and we're not at the point we're going to be adding games here in the NFL given you know the health concerns that are going on. Um, but I would play it out. I okay. really would. Let's just go back to sudden death. No, I didn't like that was Sunday. fun. It was no, okay. I do like the coin toss and the yeah. scoring current construct, but yeah, yeah. beyond that, I just wouldn't have it be a time deal. I, I wouldn't. Nah, no, I hate ties. Ties don't do anything for me. I'm hey, picking the Rams. Hey, just big picture, how much are you looking forward to being back out there at the Coliseum? And, and after the week off, just getting back to Rams and NFL football. I can't wait to be amongst Rams fans. I, I, I love being on the road. I love being the villain, but it's nothing like being at home. Can't wait. 10 o'clock, our coverage starts here on ESPN LA 710. If you're coming to the Coliseum, Join us for our ESPN LA tailgate. Uh, we'll be out there uh, talking with the gang, talking with the pregame crew uh, to preview Carolina and the Rams. For Marco Farr, I'm JB Long. Looking forward to having Maurice Jones-Drew with us again on Sunday. Hope you had a great bye week and hope the Rams get back to 500 with a win over the defending NFC champions, the Carolina Panthers. We will talk to you again this weekend.